Wikipedia is a great example of an information commons. What does that mean? Lessig offers several examples of this idea of a commons in the reading from his book, The Future of Ideas, and he includes public parks and freeways as two notable examples of a common pool resource. Put simply, commons are resources held in common. Everyone has a share in them by virtue of being a member of that community or society. It's a resource that is free in the sense we've just described. However, not all resources are created equal. Some of you will have noticed a problem when I just use the analogy of comparing Wikipedia with air and water as common pool resources. Air and water, while renewable, are subject to overuse and abuses by those who might choose to exploit them at the expense of others. Someone who takes all the free water and bottles it for sale, leaving nothing for the rest of the community, has created a problem for the rest of us. That's because air and water and other physical resources like it are rivalrous in nature. Rivalrous. My use of that resource impinges on your ability to use it as well. The more that I use, the less you have available to you. It's a rivalrous resource. Rivalrous resources create a management problem known in the literature as the tra tragedy of the commons. The tragedy, as Garrett Hardin puts it in his famous paper on the subject, is that when operating with a common pool resource, the lack of defined property rights tend to drive individuals toward using a resource without contributing back to it, ultimately depleting the commons. This is known as a free riding problem. We graze our sheep in the pasture, but without an incentive to manage that grazing to within confined limits, we all seek to maximize that grazing, fatter sheep, more profits, and soon the grassland is a barren waste of no value to anyone. In other words, the incentive to give back to the commons or manage one's use of it is blunted when there are no rights of private property. That's the classic argument of the tragedy of the commons. However, that's not the last word on the tragedy of the commons. Others like Eleanor Ostrom have argued contrary to Hardin that many societies have in fact found ways to manage a resource held in common without resorting to private property rights. Governance of a rivalrous resource within a commons is possible, provided that there's a will to do so within the community and a sense of that shadow of the future that we talked about earlier in the course. The details of such governance methods are not a concern for us here per se, but the main point is that the tragedy of the commons is linked intimately to the rivalrous nature of the resource. That being the case, there is a significant difference between an information commons like Wikipedia and a common pool resource like water or air. And Lessig draws our attention to this, noting that digital information is a non-rivalrous resource. In other words, unlike oil or water, my consumption of a Wikipedia page or my copy of a digital music file 
does not impinge on your ability to, con to consume the same resource. In effect, the number of possible uses of that digital information are unlimited. And moreover, because it's digital, each subsequent copy is identical to the original, so that even the issue of degradation of quality is relatively insignificant. More significantly, however, or pardon me, more striking, however, is that due to the Brickland principle, my consumption of the Wikipedia page might in fact add value to that resource for others. Here we have the positive externality at work, as my consumption leaves behind a digital trail of hyperlinks, tags, and markings that can be utilized by search engines and other software platforms to increase the value of the content that I quote-unquote consumed. Recall the title of Bricklin's essay that, uh, um, that forms this idea of the Bricklin principle. The essay was called The Cornucopia of the Commons, right? So it reverses this notion of the tragedy and turns it into a cornucopia. Lessig wants us to recognize that there's a benefit to resources held in common and that the internet is the best evidence of that benefit. In fact, he goes beyond the idea of an information commons to regard the internet as an innovation commons, by which he means it does far more than perpetuate the status quo, but is in fact a fountainhead of new ideas by virtue of it being a common pool resource. Whereas the social norms fostering the information commons have emerged out of the free software movement, the technical norms that foster the innovation commons can be portrayed using a set of layers, a layer model. The specific details of any layer model are going to differ. Lessig's is different from Bankler's, and Bankler's is different from Zittrain's, etc. But it's become clear that more and more scholars and policymakers are perceiving value in portraying the structures of social media within this type of layered arrangement. Lessig introduces the layer model to help us see that a commons can be operative at variety of layers, technical, application, content layer, and the social layer itself. The particular arrangement establishes the degrees of freedom within an innovation commons. Right? So the arrangement of, of control and freedom at these various layers establishes the degrees of freedom within an innovation commons. And it's these various degrees of freedom that form the basis for Zittrain's concept of generativity. Mm -hmm.